0: Welcome, I'm Anna and I'm Chanel Constance,
1: and you're listening
0: to Ebony Musings. This literary podcast was created to provide a safe place for Black women to discover wellness, balance, and self-care through literature. Join us in conversation as we dive deep into the importance of self-care Balancing our lives and how literature has played a big part in our own personal healing processes. Let the journey begin.
1: Listeners, note: this episode contains spoilers. Welcome to another episode of Ebony Musings. I'm Anna. I'm Chanel. And on today's episode, we are discussing artist poet. Theologian, community organizer, and founder of the Nat Ministry, Tricia Hershey's debut book, "Rest Is Resistance: A Manifesto."
0: Before we begin our discussion, I would like to open it up with a prayer from the book. The doors of the Nat Temple are open. Won't you come? This is an invitation for weary souls to rest. This is a resistance. This is a protest. This is a counter narrative to the lie that we all aren't doing enough. We are enough. This is a counter narrative to the lie that our worth is tied to the grind of capitalism and the lie of white supremacy. You You are enough simply by being alive. Thank you for living. Thank you for resisting. Thank you for creating. Thank you for dreaming. Thank you for resting. We believe that our healing can visit us while we are napping while we are resting, while we are sleeping, while we are slowing down. We believe that naps provide a dream and visionary space to invent, to create, to heal. To imagine this is what resistance looks like. Won't you come?
1: Trisha is a Chicago native living in Atlanta with 20 years experience collaborating with communities as a performance artist, spiritual director and community organizer. She is the founder of the Knapp Ministry, an organization that examines rest as a form of resistance by curating sacred spaces for the community to rest via collective rest experiences, immersive workshops, performance art installations, and social media. Her research interests include Black liberation theology, womanism, somatics, and cultural trauma. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Public Health from Eastern Illinois University and a Master's of Divinity from the Candler School of Theology at Emory University.
0: Dreaming of a world that includes justice for all, for those sleep-deprived, exhausted, and caught up in the hustle and shenanigans of white supremacy and capitalism, may we have space to navigate our lives from a liberated rest state. May all of culture slow down. The time to rest is now, the NAP ministry. By founder and creator of the NAP ministry, rest is resistant is a call to action for anyone suffering from the toxic urgency of modern day life. It centers around the systemic issues that cause us to overwork and ultimately burn out and it offers us liberation through rest. In its simplest form, rest becomes an act of resistance and a reclaiming of power because it disrupts and push back against capitalism and white supremacy. Slowing down moves us away from trying to operate at machine levels of productivity to make us all more human. In this fierce and tender manifesto, Trisha Hersey, AKA the Knapp Bishop elevates rest as a divine right and paves the way toward a more well-rested life that empowers and imagination, invention, and healing. Divided into four sections, Rest is Resistance will explain Trisha's philosophy and methods and will include both storytelling and practical advice. It'll offer you the guidance and context to craft a rest practice for long-term health, both within yourself and society as a whole. What does rest look like to you?
1: I mean, for the longest time, I just thought rest was taking naps. That's how I saw rest. But after reading this book, um, Trisha's definitely made me re-evaluate what I consider rest. And there are certain things that I want to change now when it comes to resting, not just necessarily taking a nap. Right. Mm -hmm. What does rest look like for you?
0: The same thing. I thought it was just maybe sitting down taking a nap, Mm -hmm. sleeping, you know, at night, um, kind of relaxing, looking at TV, you know, that type of rest or reading Mm -hmm. a book. But from, from what I read, rest is much more than, um, just doing those things. Rest could be taking a walk. It could be Mm -hmm. going to therapy. It could be closing your eyes for a few minutes, like her grandmother used to do and kind of just um, emptying out your brain so that you could receive messages from any spirit guides, Jesus, or you know, ancestors, whoever is trying to speak to you, just, you're just getting, you're just centering yourself. Mm-hmm. So I would like to change up my whole entire life by using the tenets of a nap ministry, Mm -hmm. because I feel like um, I've just been thinking in a binary, which we'll discuss in a second about, well, if I don't rest, I'm sorry, if I don't work, I'm going to be poor. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I may, or I may overwork myself. You know, it's just, you have to find a balance. And I think this is what the biggest the biggest message for me is you need to find a balance. So you rest. And it's the thing is the, and a, one of the biggest lessons I learned from this book is that rest is a lifetime practice. It's a lifetime movement. This is not something that you just pick up. Oh, I'm just going to rest, you know, whatever it is. You have to give yourself some grace and working it day by day. And it's not just sleeping. It's literally like fighting against capitalism and white supremacy by saying, no, you can't have my body and my thoughts every waking second. Like, I need to have some time for myself.
1: Right. So she talked about the tenets of the nap ministry. That I thought was interesting.
0: Yes. So the first tenet is, rest is a form of resistance because it disrupts and pushes back against capitalism and white supremacy. And she says this several times in the book.
1: Yeah. She, like, she pushes that hard, like, it made me really think about how um white supremacy is literally like almost everything
0: yes mm-hmm. um she also says our body is a site. sorry, our bodies are a site of liberation mm-hmm. um naps provide a portal to imagine, invent, and heal, and that is true because most of my most vivid, lucid dreams happen when I wake up for a moment early in the morning and i go back to sleep Mm -hmm. everything is so real it's like my mom looks alive again and me Mm -hmm. and samantha we're hanging out or doing something else or it's just i have these crazy dreams or if i reach like a fantasy or something Mm -hmm. and then i'm in i'm in the midst of the fantasy Like, oh wait a minute this stuff is not true (laughs) so So but this is it's just a cool way and um one thing I wanted to say is that sometimes I used to dream about my teeth falling out uh-huh. and I read in uh, like a dream website that that's a, a sign that you kind of have to move on from something. Cause I kept on dreaming about it. I'm like, what is this? And- okay. So in the Haitian culture, and I,
1: I've, re- I've heard other cultures talk about this too, especially from Island folks. Um, when you dream about teeth, that's death. Now, oh. there that, that may not be death of a person. It could be death of a situation. Jeez. So with you saying that, you know, you when you read that and it just interprets to move on, that's a death of a situation. There's no point in lingering on it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yes. And the thing is, when you're not sleeping, you don't get those messages. Mm-hmm. You know, from w- pulling from wherever you're pulling it from, whether it be from God, your ancestors, something that you read, like you just your thoughts, just kind of coming in into themselves. You just don't know, so you really have to rest. And the last one is our dream space has been stolen, and we want it back. We will c- reclaim it via rest. That mm-hmm. one is the most important because she really talks about how capitalist capitalism started in on the plantation mm-hmm. and um i guess we'll we'll get to that in a second but the way that she really breaks it down from how she used to be a uh, um she used to work in the archives at Emory university and how she used to read slave narratives and she really discovered how their bodies she was really interested in how their bodies um got acclimated to all the hard work and how they were feeling somatically. She said it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that she describes it in the book, I'm like, whoa, I just never... You you would see it, you know, on in movies. Right. But it's a different thing when you're reading about it, like, kind of in detail. I know I wouldn't make it past the first day. I just I just wouldn't make it.
1: I just feel like over time, um, I don't want to say we're weak, but our, our bodies definitely changed the things that our ancestors may have been able to um, deal with, the pain, the being on their feet for hours on end, I feel like as time has changed and things have changed, that's different now. Like, I don't, I I honestly uh, thought about, you know, would I be able to survive during slave times? I mean, you can honestly consider what we're dealing with now is modern slave time. Mm. But when you read books and then they go into like grave detail of what they had to do, man, I would have never
0: survived. No. No, way. they they would have to kill me because of my mouth. They would <laughs> 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 I would be <laughs> talking that no, I would not. Yeah. So mm. I guess I'm glad to be born in this time, even though mm. I never really considered capitalism well, not really capitalism. I would say having a job as modern slavery, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. until I kind of read this book and just thought of just different things. And I'm not talking about like just one job in particular, you know, like there's many good ethically sound companies that you can work for. I mean, it's not a lot of companies, but there are some, but we're just talking about, the job industry, capitalism in general. We're going to go through the tenets in detail. So the first one is, rest is a form of resistance. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the quotes that I like from this one, it says, capitalism has cornered us in such a way that we only can comprehend two options. Number one is work at a machine level from a disconnected and exhausted space or make, rest for, make space for rest and space to connect with our highest selves while fearing how we will eat and live. This rigid binary combined with the violent reality of poverty keeps us in a place of sleep deprivation and constant hustling to survive. So that's what I was talking about from before because either you're working yourself to death you know, Mm -hmm. and you're you're tired, you're exhausted, you're not feeling well, you're stressed out, or you're, you try to make space for rest and you try to connect, you know, to Jesus or whoever your higher self is or who who you connect to. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, how am I going to eat? How am I going to live? And she's basically saying that if you open up your mind to other possibilities, that, hey, maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe right. I can disengage from capitalism and still live. You know, it's just just have a balance. Not everything has to be, you know, what's the word? Um, it doesn't have to be exact, or everything doesn't have to be exact things. Mm-hmm. But just living in living in a space where you're telling cap- capitalism. No, you're not going to have my body. No, you're not going to have my mind. No, you're not going to have my energy. Work. You know, you're there. You do your work. You take all of your breaks. And you take your lunch. That's resting. Right. Um, of course, if your job is too stressful, you have to quit. Unfortunately, that's what you want to have to do. But you have to make it up in your mind that you're putting yourself first. Right.
1: I think we've come to, we were, we're, what's the word I'm trying to come up with? It's like the way of life is working and that's all that is. Mm-hmm. Resting is not made part of that.
0: Yeah.
1: A lot of a struggle with just resting because I feel like if I'm resting, then I'm not making money. I'm not being productive. I'm not um, achieving all these goals that I put forth. You know what I mean?
0: So right much. and all of those are tenets of white supremacy mm-hmm. just being very individualistic very um, you're all about achievements and I can do this and I'm a boss woman and I could do this all by, on my own no mm-hmm. but she's saying it, it starts from self but then you have to go it, but then you spread out into the community and you help others who might need help right? because you're lifting each other up right. it's not just a one a one by one thing it's a community effort right she also states that sleep deprivation is a public health issue and a spiritual issue Uh, she says that we've been trained to believe that everything we accomplish is because of our own pushing alone this is false because there's a spiritual dimension that exists in all things and everything that we do and she also states that especially with black people Mm-hmm. Sleep depri- deprivation is a public health issue for us. Yeah, it is. It's a podcast. I can't remember which one. I think it was... I want to say it's the Pink Chronicles podcast. Mm-hmm. Pink Rogue Chronicles by Melva Samson. Great, great person to listen to if you're a theist or a theologian. Um, she was saying how when you're a Black woman um, you always have to do extra mm-hmm. um you have to be up early in the morning to take care of the kids you gotta you know go to work you gotta come home you gotta take extra shifts you have to do you have to help with homework like you have to achieve 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 do all these chores be a mm-hmm. mule and right. if you're if you're getting patted on the patted on the back for that that should make you feel good but that's not it you're being sleep deprived Right. And all that stress is wearing you out. It's weathering you. So she's saying, which is a term that was created by an African-American physician, especially for Black women, if you're doing all these things and you're not resting, you're not sleeping, you're not de-stressing yourself, it's not good. Right. The next tenet kind of goes more into that. It talks about our bodies are a site of liberation. Mm-hmm. Um. I really like this part because she got more personal in regards to talking about her son and the very, very traumatic um, birth experience she had with him.
1: Yeah, that was... It reminded me of a lot of what I went through with my daughter.
0: Yeah, I remember you mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the doctor couldn't... They didn't want to believe her saying, you know, my baby's not going to be you know that big please, you know, don't give me the C-section I want to, you know, deliver naturally and yeah. sh- don't rush me. And the doctor wouldn't listen to her. And that happens more a and a lot, yeah. more and more each day. And it's like she was saying that they were trying to rush her son, even from before he was even born, to come out and do all these things and just get and just get, I don't know, surrounded by productivity and being rushed
1: yeah because like she talked about how she comes from a a family of tall people her husband is tall she's tall they're like six Mm -hmm. feet or whatever and um she was saying that the doctor was saying that her baby her son was gonna be like over uh, 10 pounds because he looks just really really big and she's like no he's not gonna be he's gonna be like eight pounds Doctors back and forth with her about this. And it's like, no, we're going to induce because you don't want to be by like the last person that gave birth yeah. to a, a, you know, a heavy child, blah, 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 blah. So she's upset about it. And I hate it when doctors do that. It was like, I know my body. I'm If I'm telling you something's wrong, something's wrong. Right. Right. Doctor ends up inducing her and the baby, her son comes out exactly eight pounds.
0: Exactly. And then. Even after that, she talks about how, when he's in school, you know the school is also capitalism, yes. like academy, because she says here, in elementary school, students are being trained to be workers who can follow orders, memorize facts, and be on time no matter what. Imagination mm-hmm. and critical thinking skills are replaced with cookie-cutter learning and standardized testing. And she had and she she had mentioned one time where she went to volunteer at her son's classroom. Mm. And, you know, there was a child that needed to pee. And the teacher was like, No, you need to hold it. You know, we just it's just a free, just a few more minutes. And he ended up using the bathroom on himself. And, you know, the author had to go ahead and, you know, get in touch with his parents and then help them to, you know, clean up. Right. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's embarrassing.
1: I remember when the uh, pandemic first started and, you know, they started to do virtual learning. Mm -hmm. I thought it was fine. My daughter, I mean, she's home. She's doing her thing. But it's like 8 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, she's still doing homework. I'm like, why are you still doing work?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, they gave
1: us a whole bunch of work. What do you mean? Just because you're home, they gave you more work? That doesn't make any sense. If you were in school, they wouldn't have done that. So, of course, I wasn't the only parent, but It was an uproar. I wrote a letter to the principal. I wrote wrote a letter to every single one of her teachers. This is ridiculous. My child shouldn't be, just because she's home, she shouldn't be doing homework till 10, o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. That's ridiculous. Because if she was in school, that wouldn't be a thing. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I promise you, within 24 hours of that happening, because here I am thinking I'm the only one that's, like, complaining. Next day, they changed it.
0: That's good. Definitely
1: got on them and they made that change real quick.
0: So you were you were practicing your her body being a site of liberation. Yes. No, she needs to be resting. She needs to be asleep at nine o'clock. Right. right, exactly. Just because it's COVID doesn't mean you need to give her all this work for nothing. Right. Which is right. basically, unless it's teach teaching her critical skills, it's basically teaching her how to regurgitate facts and figures. Right, exactly. And um, she says that i um, all of culture is in collaboration for us not to rest. That includes, like we said, K-12 public education, higher education, faith and religious domination, the medical industry, not-for-profits, activists, organizations, corporations, and even those who claim to be part of the wellness industry, which is like a $4 billion industry. Mm -hmm. Um, You're pushing hustling, grinding, girl boss, competition, and I'm a boss bitch and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I get what they're coming from with that. They want people to be successful. They want people to really, you know, have income coming in. They want people to reach their dreams, but it has to come a time to where we have to stop.
1: Yeah. She talks a lot about the grind culture, how the grind culture is killing us physically and spiritually. And, Um, when I'm scrolling on like Instagram or or TikTok, just watching videos and you see all these women they're you know, they're living this lavish life and they talk about luxury, black girl luxury or whatever. And they talk about the grinding and I'm like, yeah, I need to grind better because, you know, I can financially be in in a better situation if I work harder. But after reading this book, I'm kind of like, I'm really turned off about this whole grind Mm. culture thing. I don't need to work harder to be rich. There's other ways of doing that,
0: right? That's just that's like a plantation mentality, meaning mm-hmm. capitalism mentality, right? Because brand culture is basically, you know, it's a marriage in between capitalism and white supremacy, right? I like um, the the next tenant. This talks about Naps provided a portal to imagine, invent, and heal. So with this, I like when she says, you are worthy of rest. We don't have to earn rest. Rest is not a luxury, a privilege, or a bonus. You must wait for once or we're burned out. Mm-hmm. So you don't have, you're just, you're a person created by whoever you believe in. You know, whether it's evolution, it's God, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But you were, you were created to rest. You need to have a balance. You can't just work, 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 work. And right. You just drop dead. There's more to life than that. And yeah, I like, she, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, I liked how she talked about like in that section, how rest is a healing portal. Rest is about undoing dra- uh, trauma. Rest makes us human. Rest is not a privilege. It's a right. And I right. Didn't, I never thought about that. Like, it is your right to rest.
0: Yes. So no matter what and she talks again about how social media, um, it makes it so seductive, you know, mm-hmm. like oh look, like we're talking about the black girl luxury and uh-huh. seeing the Chanel purses, Birkin bags, traveling all over the place. Like yes, I want to do that. Right. And I'm like, I look up a. This is no shade to anybody that does this. It's no shade, but as it has to, come to a point where you're realistic, right? I'm I'm going to work hard to get a six thousand dollar. $7,000 Chanel bag right I'm working myself for that and it's a lovely bag and it's probably you know has great resale value but that's a lot mm-hmm. I need to relax I need to drink my water I need to drink my tea I need to think and and let all the messages from God and, and you know come into me and just make things plain for me so I can live a prosperous life because she doesn't want us to live a unproperous life right. she wants us to live a prosperous life not saying like you know prosperity whatever but you know in the Bible it says that she wants us to have a prosperous life and even the woman the Proverbs 31 woman she's very resourceful Mm -hmm. you know so there's different ways that you can go, go about doing those things you know once you you come to a place where you see that what you're all this productivity all the way that you're living is bad. You're gonna have to grieve grieve on it a bit. Right. You know, it's gonna be a sad time because you're like, wow, I really thought I was doing something and I'm really not doing anything except putting myself to an early grade. Right. Not letting not really being part of the community and experiencing life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not really laying down and just figuring out my next plans. Uh not receiving messages from any higher power or, you know, just kind of like planning out my thoughts. Like right. I wasted a lot of time. So it's going to take time to kind of, you know, get over that. But once you kind of tap in into your, your power of being, res- being resistant to capitalism mm-hmm. and, and grind culture and you're living for yourself, or not for yourself only, but you're, you're also helping others recognize that, then you'll be a better person. Yeah. So the last tenant is, our, rest, our dream space has been stolen and we want it back. We will reclaim it via rest. This was amazing. So she says, when I think about the history of the transatlantic slave trade, chattel slavery, and plantation labor, I am, I am stunned about how much we have chosen to forget that capitalism was built from these systems. Like, where are the books that really discuss that? Where are the books that give us receipts? I can tell you right now, the books that we have that, 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 that talks about that. Mm-hmm. Because not only in the book, she has a slave narratives, um, you know, in the bibliography. She has a great bibliography, by the way.
1: Yes, yeah, she does.
0: So some of the books you could read about that, about literally how the plantation is where capitalism was was created is The Price of Their Pound of Flesh Mm -hmm. by Dania Ramsey Berry, Half Has Never Been Told by Edward E. Baptist, and The Empire of Cotton, A Global History by Swen Beckert. Like it literally tells you, like in in minute detail, how the plantation is the birthplace of capitalism.
1: Now we get into the four sections of the book and I love how she um, dedicates or she talks about how she's inspired or what
0: inspired her for each part of this book. So, in this chapter, she talks about her background in regards to her hometown, which is Chicago, her family, religion, and where she actually first heard of resting. Mm-hmm. So, she grew up in Chicago. Um, her parents were really involved with the church, her dad was a Pentecostal preacher but he was also very into black liberation mm-hmm. black panthers um, pan africanism um he was very active in the community he also was just really really he really loved the church so much that he would he kept on pouring out to his pouring out himself into um his members and just other people that needed help and you know she was taught all of her activism roots from him. Mm-hmm.
1: There was a, um, an interview the author talked about how she was asked, who taught you how to rest? And mm-hmm. I actually kind of sat back and I was like, is that a thing people do? Like, do we teach each other how to rest? Do we teach our children how to rest? We should. We should, but what do we normally do? We teach them how to work harder, right? Right. I can honestly say that my mom... Um, taught me and my siblings how to rest. Uh, She's worked for many, many years. Unfortunately, she had to um, retire early because of just the years of the um, career that she had, you know, she was always on her feet and always using her hands. So that definitely took a toll on her. And um, me in my age with my young daughter, my teen daughter, I'm teaching her how to rest, how to not feel overwhelmed with school stuff and um, finding different ways to relax, whether it's um, enjoying doing some artwork. She's really into art. Or we might go to a museum here and there. Just different things to kind of like separate us from the world, allow us a a few moments to disconnect and,
0: you know, rest. Hmm. I can't. To be honest, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think if my mom and dad taught me to rest. Mm-hmm. And I don't think so, no, because we used to get up early in the morning, go mm-hmm. have worship, and then we would go to school. And it's just, you know, mom's like, just do all your schoolwork, excel. Mm-hmm. She was working two, three jobs herself. Yeah. Um, trying to get us, you know, we went to private school. So, you know, she was trying to pay all those bills. My dad was, had two, two jobs at one point. You know, mm-hmm. trying to keep us in school, trying to keep us fed, and and all that, make sure that we were going through all the all the um, the trips, and the, it was this, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really the one the one thing I will say is that when my mom did rest, it mm-hmm. was good, but it was usually late late at night mm-hmm. or maybe on Sunday. Oh well, okay, let me go back. So. We do have a day that we rest from, which mm-hmm. is called the Sabbath. Sabbath. Mm-hmm. But um, we, were, we were raised that way. So, um, you know, during the week, her rest was like, hey, let's just we work hard. She drops in the bed and she watched TV. Mm-hmm. And that was her rest. And sometimes I would join her. Sometimes we would watch Star Trek together. We would watch different movies. On Sundays, like those were my best times with my mom. When I, we were looking at old movies, and she would just tell me what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that movie called with the with the white with the black the the mixed girl? Mm,
1: um, is it the one that she could pass as white? Yeah. Oh, that's. Um, oh my gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I cry every time I see that movie. It's so sad. Yeah. Mm. Oh life imitation
0: of life yes imitation of life i was because we watched that together and watched macbeth i'm like wow Mm -hmm. this is great so her form of resting was you know watching tv taking it easy you know after a hard day of work or after a hard week on saturday we would go to church we would get filled with the holy spirit we don't do any um i guess secular activities like going to the store or Anything like that because we are we are prepared our dinner earlier, our house earlier, all that stuff. Well, we would try to, mm-hmm. kind of hard sometimes, but that was our form of rest. And not until I grew up myself and I had a job and I and I and I was working so hard that I really really appreciated the Sabbath, just mm-hmm. as, relaxation and that I can get connected to my higher higher power, power which is Yeshua. Um, getting to me and my dad will have worship you know on Saturdays together mm-hmm. um, sometimes Samantha my sister will join us it's just a wonderful thing so those are the th- those are the types of rest practices that we have we should yeah. be resting constantly constantly it needs to be in your calendar mm-hmm. um, there is a list of that we're going to get to which kind of breaks down what you can do to rest but you mm-hmm. have to make it a habit you have yes. to make it a lifestyle yep so with her dad you know he loved the community he loved god he loved people but unfortunately he overworked himself he was right. exhausted um he didn't really have a lot to pour into himself and he had like a lot of health issues you know diabetes obesity high blood pressure mm-hmm. heart disease you know like others and he ended up you know unfortunately passing away and Mm -hmm. then she kind of just added everything up together and that she she realized that grind culture kind of aided in his death and it's the cycle of trauma going right and i think Mm -hmm. what she wanted to do herself was to break the trauma in her own life right because you know eventually with her you know she was working a she was a a graduate this is before black lives matter kind of just blasted off she was in a um theology program a massive divinity program that's very rigorous a lot of writing right. she was a mother um she you know had to travel back and forth she didn't have a lot of money it was just, it was she was not feeling well it was a hot mess she was just not together right. and she decided you know what something really has to give. And I always like, she says, let the chips fall where they may. So mm-hmm. in another podcast, she said, you know, she had to talk to all of, she talked to all of her teachers. She was like, well, this is where I am. And I'm telling you what I'm doing. Um, don't be alarmed. And I just need your help because, you know, she's working with a lot of, I need you to pray for me because she's working with a lot of like um, faith." Faith leaders and preachers and stuff like that. So she was like, I need your help to help pass these classes because right. I can't, whatever I'm doing right now is not working. I have a child, you know, I have stuff I need to do at home. It's just a lot. So after she started taking naps in different places, incorporating um, rest, um, like for example, she said she used to travel on the, um, on the train because she had to sell her car. And she used to look at the train and just look outside. And that would be a a moment of rest because she's daydreaming. Daydreaming. She's she's not thinking about, you know, what she needs to do next. She's really resting her mind. Right. Um, Also, she used to, she said she used to sleep with like the slave narratives. You know, she used to read about them and then she would go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then she would dream about them. She would get messages from her ancestors. Like she would really tap into what they were going through. Mm-hmm. And she said, because of all the sacrifices that they made for her in regards to working in the hot blistering sun for 20 hours a day, and then, you know, you're you're pregnant and then you have the baby and then all of a sudden you got to instead of you know, we, we really, even though healthcare is not that great as it should be, we really take it for granted. Yeah, we do. The way that healthcare has really evolved. Can you imagine having a baby? Yeah. And then maybe a couple of hours later, you have to, to go work. back and work. Right. What if your your placenta didn't come out? Like, what if you have tears? Like, what? Right. Huh? What your mindset? Right. And this is in the blistering heat in the South, with all these people around you, all these these insects, it just stifling community. I can't, couldn't do it. Right. So she was like, she owed it to them. Who had their their dream stone, their nap stone, to to, to really um, have this lifestyle of just having balance and having rest?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I know people are trying to figure out, well, what does this have to do with Alice Walker? Like, what is mm-hmm. like, what is it exactly? I'm supposed to be reading about Alice Walker? Yes, yes, <laughs> you're reading about Alice Walker, and she actually does mention. Um, being a womanist, She declares herself a womanist. The term womanist was coined by Alice Walker in 1983. It appeared in her book, In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, which we'll be reading together. She defines womanist as wanting to know more and in greater depth than is considered good for one. She's con- they're committed to survival and wholeness of entire people, male or female. And she says, for her personally, the beauty of womanism is its holistic view of change. It centers Mm -hmm. the deep shared commitment black women have to their family and community. And then she says, unlike white feminism, womanism holds space for race, class, and gender and understands the family and community of a black woman are collaborators in the struggle of liberation. Mm -hmm. It seeks balance, like I said, and flexibility. Womanism is what allows me to see rest as a tool of liberation. And she says, a global movement seeking to repair all that has been broken by capitalism, white supremacy, and patriarchy. So she's basically saying that her study of womanism is guiding her in her in her journey of being a more restful and grateful and flexible person.
1: Yeah, I thought that was interesting how she found um, being a womanist um, and seeing how it how rest um it's like a form of liberation right like that really was just like a guide for her so i thought that was really cool
0: and um this is another quote i really loved it's called this is from making a way out of no way A woman's theology by the reverend dr monica coleman she says not all evil can be overcome in this world and yet a postmodern womanist theology maintains hope in the struggle to creatively and constructively respond to it. She also says that we are not resting because social media has stolen our abilities to exist without it. Mm-hmm. And she says that the uh, algorithms are, are guiding our every moves, putting unnecessary pressure for us to post and to like. This kind of hit me because I'm addicted to social media. I'm addicted to my phone. Mm-hmm. I like to be validated. I'm a Leo. You know, <laughs> I love attention. I love for people to give me compliments. I love to be noticed. But at the same time, it could be a distraction. It could be overwhelming. It can make you buy things, which is capitalism.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She says that social media is an extension of capitalism. It's a marketing tool. And, you know, and she says that the developer and designers of our current platforms are not leaders in a, of a billion-dollar industry simply so we can stay connected to our family, friends, and communities. They want us to, make, they want us to buy stuff. Right. And she mentions taking a social media break. A detox from social media. Yeah. I've done to that. T- to reset and get back to self. Yeah. I've done that multiple times. Uh, I did it like for like a day. Yeah. And I felt like I missed a bunch of stuff. And I think that's more of the grind culture. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, get- <laughs>
1: I did a detox for like two weeks.
0: But did you feel relaxed?
1: Um, I did because even after coming back from that break, There was no desire to really post.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think that's your mind kind of just resetting itself. Mm -hmm. Because I think all the validation—that's why she's she's really telling us to rest, to close our eyes, to go to therapy, to take a walk, to read a book. You know, really take time to validate our own selves so that we don't have to. We don't play into the game of capitalism and right. go on go on to social media to get validation and it's hard it's it so is. hard i'm i'm really going to try to try to detox she's also inspired by dr james cone and his creation of black liberation theology she says that he grounded her development of the nap ministry mm-hmm. And she says that a message of rest as a message of reparations and liberation to Black people is firmly planted in Cohn's scholarship. She also says that Black liberation theology taught me that um, I am still worthy and loved by God and my ancestors. Um, That when you read the biblical text from a lens of black liberation it opens up doors and it re- re- removes veils that have boosted up her self worth deeply from the inside so just kind of um, connecting back what we were talking about um, once you know the truth about capitalism racism you know ableism all that stuff that white supremacy has created once you know the truth and you know and you don't need any of that for God's love or for validation, you can move forward, but you have to have that, you need to have that um, that realization. It's so mm-hmm. important. So your, your journey may not be um, inspired by womanism or black liberation theology, but you can find something else that moves you just to take a break. Right. And it's just not for black people. That is a really ignorant question. It is for everybody. right? You know, um, you have to stop being so myopic and look at the big picture. Honestly, if the, the Blacks, which is at the bottom of the totem pole and everything, if they reject, you know, white supremacy and they reject capitalism, and grind culture, and they're able to establish a better um, way of life for themselves, another paradigm, then other people to want to join in too. Right. So we won't be at the bottom, we'll be at the top.
1: So she had kind of did a a small list on how to rest. Okay. And I know it's not like a definite, this is how you do it. I think it's different for everybody, but I really, I really liked her list. Like there's a few things I'm kind of like, yeah, I could, that's something I need to start doing.
0: Like closing your eyes for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. taking a long shower, meditating on the couch 20 minutes, daydreaming by staying out the window, sipping warm tea um, a sun salutation yoga, Mm -hmm. praying uh, taking a long warm bath, taking regular breaks from social media, that goes to me, Uh, like deep listening to a music album Mm -hmm. playing a musical instrument, laughing those, you were taking when you do these things, you are taking back your, yourself from capitalism, saying, I'm using this time to center myself and my needs and what I want.
1: Right. And I like how she also mentions, like, there is no quick fix. This is right. a life-changing thing that you have to do every day. Rest is love practice.
0: Like- right. And she says that my freedom from grind culture is, is intimately tied up in the healing and liberation of all those who, who are around me. Mm-hmm. and community care and the full communal unraveling is the ultimate goal for any justice work because without this we would be left vulnerable to the light of toxic individualism individualism which is white supremacy yeah so the next part is the dream and she was inspired from her ancestors she said To my ancestors, your labor and the theft of your body will not be in vain. I will rest for you. I will capture the dreamscape that you lost. We'll be resurrected together. So basically this is kind of expanding what we already talked about before, how how our dream space has been stolen from us, Mm
1: -hmm. our ability
0: to dream, pause, and daydream has been replaced by the robbing of time, self-esteem, hope and connection to ourselves and each other.
2: Mm-hmm. By
0: putting people to sleep we are waking them up. And she wants to know how can we dream about a future we want to see? How do we simply tap into our dreaming flow? Who taught you the capacity to dream? Who are the sharpeners of your visions? Like basically, what are your next steps?
1: Because she mentions Octavia Butler and I think you talk about like Afrofuturism and how I always see black people in the future, always have right. seen this in the future and just the imagination and how I feel like even as adults, we lost that. Mm-hmm. So it was just like that, this section right here, just it, it brought a smile to my face because I was like, Oh, this is so me. Like I'm always imagining the future and I'm always daydreaming and I feel like my mom calls me weird because I still, still watch cartoons.
0: Huh? I do too.
1: Oh, I, watch I still cartoons. watch cartoons. I like, still watch them. I, I, I really enjoy cartoons. And mom's like, You're so grown and you still cartoon. Yes.
0: Again, that could be your form of rest after mm-hmm. you had a hard day, you deep, you breathe and you just laugh and you enjoy yourself. Yeah. She said, Offering Lord is also an inspiration for her. And she usually asks everyone that you know, comes to her NAT ministry installations mm-hmm. or happenings that they should read her. And I mentioned this before, that for black people who are descendants of enslaved Africans via the, the transatlantic slave trade and chattel slavery, you have to, again, you have to consider that your ancestors built this entire nation for free with stolen labor. So mm-hmm. you kind of owe it to them to kind of rest. And not yeah, work yourself to the ground because they they did this so that we could be doing what we're doing right now, right. which is being free, quote unquote free, kind of sort of. Right. It's about yeah, we can talk about her first nat ministry. Okay.
1: Oh, is this like when she um, got the, um, like a studio or something? Yeah, yeah, that
0: was cool. You know, she'll have like a big open space mm-hmm. and they have like yoga max pillow low lightning um really healing music um you know you're in a and you're in a state of fluid and free rest um she's going around with with incense in her hand mm-hmm. you know with scented with lavender trying to you know just let people to calm down and decompress and Is it's she? just it's just a time just to just be you
1: right she had stated that um, there's somebody that was at the, one of her events, and they asked her, like, did you touch me? She was like, no, I, I won't touch anybody without their permission. Well, she felt a presence. Wow. You remember that part? I, I was like, what? That could have been, like, her ancestors talking to her. Yeah. Or,
0: or it could be could have been the spirit of God, the Holy yep. Spirit, you know, anything like that.
1: Yeah. One of the things I'm taking away from this book is um, the author talks about how important it is to rest. And to listen to your body, because our body gives us signs. We just avoid, you know, we ignore them.
0: Yeah, she said she was so exhausted from going to school and uh-huh. being a being a mom. And yeah, she was married, and this just a just a lot of stuff. Thing is, the system don't care about you, no, at all. Like the system and does not care. So the next part is called resist. Mm-hmm. And she says, "This is this is one of my um, favorite quotes from this section." She says, we are going up against such violent systems in our attempt to disrupt and push back white supremacy, capitalism, ableism, patriarchy, classism, anti-blackness, homophobia, etc. Any system that degrades and ignores our divine right to have care, rest, leisure, and space must be examined and eliminated. The time is up for any shallow wellness work that doesn't speak about dismantling the systems that are making us unwell. We must blame and interrogate the systems. They are the problems. They are. They really are. And I'm like, wow. That's like, that's like, it of the whole entire
1: book. Right. This book is, su- is, is such a different kind of book. It's definitely not a full on self help kind of book, but she but does she, give you a lot of good instructions on just where to start.
0: Because. Yes, she said she says it's not self help though. She doesn't min- she doesn't really mention self help at all in the book. She said this in a podcast because she said this is more of a communal communal um, activity. The idea of, of rest as resistance has always resided in me, but I deepen into it the more I spend time listening to my soul, deeply daydreaming about the Underground Railroad and being inspired by the Maroons of North America. Mm-hmm. And she talks about Harriet's, Harriet Tubman. Um, liked about, in that other book that we read, Bad, Fat, Black Girl. She talks, right. So Harriet Tubman crafted space to listen, to strategize, and to pray while she was guiding people on the Underground Railroad. You know, she had to really be, pers- like, really, really, like, notice, you know, small things. She had to be really be per- per- perceptive mm-hmm. to what was going around her, very quietly. Quiet and agile, like she really had to be one with nature and the spirit to really know what was going on. Right. And she said, her sub, her her subversive and deep refusal to be in bondage is the energy that I'm holding on to And then you had the the maroons who are just who are just like we're not gonna be we're not gonna be slaves. So forget right. this. We're gonna go into the caves and live our lives. You're not you're never gonna find us. Right. You're not gonna find us and she said that also inspired her cuz she was like they're taking a stand right like you are not going to have me break my back breaking up my family you know having me depressed and all this you're not going to have it
1: right right
0: so i really really like that she used their their journey to like to like kind of guide, be like a guiding post yeah yeah she says that her rest practice started off with 15 minute cat naps on campus in seminary and once I arrived back home and she also rested while attempting to study and then she said that she in- implemented skygazing moments in between classes that involve sitting down outside and staring at the sky mm-hmm. so she was really like really putting in the time she um enrolled in dance and somatic classes to just balance out all you know all her her heavy thinking and and and, and writing and all that so yeah. she really, really like put her life, like she forced her life into balance. Right. When she talked about rest, I, I, I thought
1: I thought about um Alice Walker, how in our, the last book we talked, um, what was her name, Shalamisha? Yeah, Shalamisha T- 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 Yeah. Yeah. How she talked about how Alice Walker is one of the freest women she ever met. Yes. And as I'm reading this book, Alice comes back to mind of how Alice is rested. Alice found ways to rest. Alice found ways to disconnect from this harsh world and capitalism. She's doing her own thing. She's got her land, growing her plants, just loving life.
0: Yeah, I, I remember in the book, she always used to take vacations with Robert. Like, hey, things mm-hmm. are just too, ha- too hard right now. You know, i got yeah. I got my books coming out, and it's all this publicity. Let's go to Mexico for a couple of weeks and just chill out, right? Let's go to California and chill out, you know. Just let's go overseas, you know, just just to relax. And I love that. I really, really love that about Alice Walker is that she worked hard. She didn't work hard, but she also had her resting, right? She did. Yeah, she
1: understood the importance of that.
0: That's a good point. I love older women or the elders, especially at my church, mm. because these are beautiful women who are, they're like, they're retired, they, but, mm. you know, they're living, the like, they're going on cruises, they're, they're buying their Mercedes, um, they're going on trips all the time, they got their wigs together, <laughs> they just look amazing, and I want my life to be that way when I'm in my 50s, 60s, even 70s, I really want to enjoy my life. It has mm-hmm. to be a balance. I, I don't yeah. wanna work myself to the to the core. You know, right. I'm I'm gonna be really honest with you. Mm-hmm. I feel like my mother was kind of killed by not really killed, because that's a strong word to say. I think grind culture kind of aided
1: mm-hmm. her illness
0: and how mm-hmm. she died mm-hmm. because she was working three jobs trying to oh, oh trying to keep us in church school you know we went to off to college or whatever but she was still trying to like you know pay off our home um, just have money for you know our insurances or whatever you know and she neglected to take care of herself right we tend to do that and she wouldn't even tell us that she had cancer my dad had to tell us
1: so it was
0: like she was hiding so much from us and i know she wanted us to have the best but it's just like I really just wish that she just took more time, just to really see what was going on with her and just rest more.
1: Yeah, she didn't I, make herself a priority. She made you no. and your sister and
0: her her husband
1: a priority. And yeah. I just
0: I'm not saying that she did not pay attention to herself so whatsoever. Like before she died, she went to her Oakwood College um, mm-hmm. like alumni and she had a great time, but like you could see that she was kind of sick. Um, but that was her way of resting just you know kind of connecting with old friends and teachers and um and I feel like this book is like a like a stop yeah she put, she put me in park yeah I'm in park I'm paying attention um to be transparent I'm really trying to build my life to where I I'm coming into my 40th decade next year mm-hmm. and you know I thought everything was would be you know going ahead and you know I'm I'm having a new job and everything, getting a new car. Some things have changed. And as uh, you know, things are not the same. And I I really got discouraged. And but still I'm gonna implement having rest. Um have having my body being a liberation spot mm-hmm. because I don't wanna get too bogged down with the cares of the world. You apply action, you take a rest. You apply action, you take a rest. Mm -hmm. You apply action, take a rest. And that's what I want my life to be so that by the time I get to where I would like to be, you know, with money, great management, you know, uh, a job that I love immensely, um, I could share my experience with others. I want my life to be a testimony. Right, in part four, you know she's asking these questions: What do I feel called to do? How mm. can I create space for me and my community to heal? What do I need to heal? Um, can unplugging and resting for a whole month be reimagined by creating smaller moments daily and weekly? How's mm. my heart? So these are these are like um, questioning of reimagining what life would be if you actually put in rest the different forms of rest in your life those are good questions to ask um, so she says she said this in several podcasts that and even on online that for the month of November and December she's going on a Sabbath meaning that she's not answering any emails um, no phone calls um, she's just going to do every, she's just going to be with herself and her family mm-hmm She says, and she says, as a Black woman, it's challenging to enact a true Sabbath. The myth of the Black woman being the mule of the world, the superwoman and the one who will save everyone, has created a battle to stand in my desire for a Sabbath. And then she says, this world is so addicted to the constant labor of Black women. Since Mm -hmm. the founding of this country, Black women are forced to serve in the deviant role of a mammy, a faithful, unselfish, loyal worker, giving their bodies and labor to their family and up to the enslaver. So, I really like that she said this because this is, um, this is what we were talking about before, like, how Black women are, like, the new of the world, like Dora Neale Hurston said. Like, we're just, we're just doing everything and we just, we don't really take care of ourselves. Right. With the Afrofuturism connection, she said that she used to be a, she was a poet for more than 20, um, 20 years, like, for just the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And she had a, um, um, an after-school program, and you know, she or she kind of organized um, like a poetry writing program for them to do. Mm-hmm. And she said it wasn't really. She said that you know it was going okay, but she said that um, she said she needed to move away from her original lesson plans and go deeper into guiding their imaginations, studying Afrofuturism, because. You know, she said these young people wrote about the reality of their lives, the poverty, the drug abuse, the gun violence, the voicelessness they felt as young people, the unemployment happening within their families, the prison industrial complex. And it's just, it's very heartbreaking and violent, you know, the way that they're living. So there has to be a balance. So she discovered, um, she she looked into science fiction, comic books, music, um, the, the teaching of Sun Ra. Mm-hmm. With the father of Afrofuturism, Black Panther, and Missy Elliott. She said, in Afrofuturism, there is the a future in which all of our current problems are solved. The future is now. Afrofuturism has been implanted into me a new memory cultivated by our deepest desires. She said, the father of Afrofuturism is Sun Ra, who was born in 1914, you know, through his music and film, his teachings was to transport Black people from the violence and racism of planet Earth to, to the creation of a Black planet. So basically, when you are daydreaming, you could think about that. You could think about a world that doesn't have any racism, sexism, misogyny, or any of these bad things, um, imperialism, mm-hmm. capitalism, all that's gone. And just reimagine a world... <clears throat> That you could be happy in. Okay. And then in, while you're doing that, you could try to figure out how to put that in your life as as you, as you speak right now. So mm-hmm. I think that's the ending. Just really trying to dream, tap into your your soul, and try to figure out how to implement rest in your life as a movement. Yeah. Um, I would give this book a five star review. Um, there's a lot that you can take away
1: from this book. And it's one of those books that I feel you should, be, you should reread um, several times, highlight it, and then definitely take some of her tips to use them in your own life for resting.
0: Yes, I totally agree.
1: Thank you for tuning in today. We hope we have inspired you and helped you find tools to make your life just a little bit easier. To continue this conversation, you can stay in touch with us on Instagram at Ebony Musings. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It would really help our show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.